0: to talk about the decline of civilization about how the decline of reading books uh, in the modern age has made everything worse and then how everything keeps getting shorter and shorter and now you have journals like the best of the journals not all the journals but just the best of the journals but we're going to shorten this down even more by are reading the Intimate Martin, which is the best of the journals, but we're sh- taking the best of the best by taking excerpts from the best. So it's even less. Of, to suit the modern age, we shorten everything down until you just have a brief little quote on Instagram, and that's it. <laughs> but we're going to read. i uh, decided I would break it. The w- only way to... F- make some sense and order out of this, I would read perhaps one year, like, so we're going to read 1959, to get some order out of our readings. Hmm. So now, uh, reading from the journals of Thomas Merton, March 18, 1959, The Old and the New. Uh For the old man, everything is old. He has seen everything or thinks he has. He has lost hope in anything new. What pleases him is the old. He clings to, fearing to lose it, but certainly not happy with it. So he keeps himself old and cannot change. Is that where you watch only old movies and won't watch a new one? (laughs) He is not open to any newness. His life is stagnant and futile. That there may be much movement, but change that leads to no change. And then there's a French quote: "Plus ça change, plus ça la même chose." Can you say it in French? Plus ça change, plus ça propose c'est la même chose. (laughs) Remember, <laughs> the more things the change more, same, the more the same. they remain the same. <clears throat> I thought he knew French. <clears throat> I'm not sure. For the new man, everything is new. Even the old is transfigured in the Holy Spirit and is oh. always new. There is nothing to cling to. There is nothing to be hoped for. And what is already past, it is nothing. It's funny, like uh, when you're old, you only want. It. Watch old things, or only like I only like old music, and they say, "How come he only play? You only play music that's a hundred years old?" <laughs> so I've played some pieces that are like quite recent, just to um, to uh, offset the mockery that everything he plays is four hundred years old. Uh, when I play Baroque music and Renaissance music, but. But whatever. Uh, And then the young man, they always want something new. It's cool if it's new, and it's not cool if it's old. When I was young, I thought only new stuff was cool. The new man is he who can find reality where it cannot be seen by the eyes of the flesh, where it is not yet, where it comes into being the moment he sees it, and where it... Would not be, at least for him, if he did not see it. The new man lives in a world that is always being created and renewed. He lives in this realm of renewal and creation. He lives his li- in life. The old man lives without life. He die- lives in death and clings to what has died pres- pre- precisely because he clings to it. Yet he is crazy for change, as if struggling with the bonds of death. His struggle is miserable and cannot be a substitute for life. Thought of these things after communion today when I suddenly realized that I had, and for how long, deeply lost hope of, quote, anything new, unquote, how foolish, when in fact the newness is there all the time. It is a year since I first found out about Prasternak. In a chance reading of Encounter, which I picked up in Louisville, the Gerd Rongi interview. The first thing Praternack taunted him with was being, quote, so young and yet so decrepit. Pras- Prasternak is the writer of Dr. Zhivago. Continuing with May 28, 1959, Corpus Christi. <laughs> A quiet morning reading in the woodshed. <laughs> Are we having a quiet morning reading in bed? In under quarantine and stay in place and shelter in place and and uh, stay in meditation and uh, and uh, New York and pause. <laughs> A quiet morning reading in uh, the quarantined woodshed for the first time in 17 years had nothing to do with the decorations. A clear morning, a clear, cool morning got hot later reading Berdeyev's Destiny of Man. B E R D Y A Y E V Peace, Destiny of Man, which is, I think, his best book. In the clear sky, two shiny kingfishers chased each other in a wide arc over the mill bottom. <laughs> My favorite part's when he just reports on what's happening outside in nature. <laughs> you know, well, I guess that's all I care about. <laughs> What has become of my official request to leave Gethsemane and join Dom Gregorio at his monastery in Gervnavaca, Mexico? I guess it's sort of like, uh, you know, I just end up in Mexico in the back end. C-U-E-R-N-A-V-A-C-A, Mexico getting impatient to hear something from Dom Gregorio and the bishop, tempted to think the letter has been stopped, though it is coming marked conscience matter, and yet indifferent about it. How unprepared I am to start a new life, yet that does not matter. More prayer is necessary, uncomfortable prayer too, not just sitting under a tree. How I hesitate to believe it can ever come about. Does that mean I am not really interested? I am worried about the effects of my leaving. It will be interpreted as simply giving up and returning to the world as a renunciation of my vocation. In a way, it is a renunciation of the monastery because I am no longer satisfied with this kind of life. If that is the case, I must be willing to leave it so interpreted Though that is not my intention or my desire, however, am I really so dissatisfied? The question is almost impossible to answer. I am often convinced that I have, quote, nothing in common with Dom James and with the ideals of the order at present. To what extent is this an evasion? There is certainly nothing wrong with these afternoons in the woods. (laughs) See, I, I could agree with that. There is certainly nothing wrong with these afternoons in the woods. I don't know about the monastery, but... But what have they to do with the ideals of the order? The truth is that something inexplicable draws me away from here. Something indefinable makes me uneasy here. I do not say unhappy. Always the old story of, quote, something missing, unquote. What is it what is it something essential? Wouldn't there always be quote something missing? Unquote? Yet always that urge to quote go forth unquote, to leave, to take off for a strange land and start another life. Perhaps this is inevitable, just a desire one is supposed to have without fulfilling it. It is this kind of desire that brought me here. Perhaps what I really want is to get away from ideals and a mental image of monasticism and simply live as best I can. Just live. Do you think we should just live as best as we can and just forget about the monastery? (laughs) Remember how the Greek priest said, I have two choices in life. I either go become a monk or I get married. Yeah,
1: but you have to do
0: both young. Okay. oh,
1: very young you get married, or very young
0: you go to the monastery. Okay. There's really only yeah, two I choices. Well, he chose to become a monk, so he shouldn't be. He spoke to the Greek priest. <laughs> we'll continue with his uh, his struggle. June 14, 1959, the fourth Sunday after Pentecost. A beautiful, cool, clear morning. I am writing this after my Mass. It seems to me that during Mass and Thanksgiving, one of the big ambiguities has resolved itself out. The fact is that I do not want purely and simply to be a hermit, or to lead a life purely and ideally contemplative. At the same time, I want to break with all the fictions and pretenses, all the facades and latent hypocrisy of the monastic community in which I live, that's my problem with the monastery. Yeah. Yet I truly seek a very solitary, simple and primitive life with no special labels attached. There must be love in it, however, not an abstract love, a real love for real people. Mm-hmm. The conclusion then is that God is calling me to a kind of missionary solitude. Isolated life in some distant primitive place among primitive and simple people to whom spiritual needs I would attend, not a missionary life pure and simple or a solitary life pure and simple, but a con- combination of both. No nonsense about asking permission to live as a hermit here do you think you should have to ask to live to live as a hermit,, <laughs> to get a permit to be a hermit. <laughs> That'd be funny, you need a permit. It's,
1: it's, they don't get everybody.
0: Why can't you just be a hermit? <laughs> yeah,
1: you, can house,
0: you feel I'm hermetic at least in the morning uh, for a few hours? Uh-huh. No nonsense about asking permission to live as a hermit here, raising all the futile questions and pretenses this would involve. It would give me get me into a whole network of lies for the sake of one grain of truth. No nonsense about presenting the thing as, quote, a desire. He quotes like himself as a desire for pure solitude. But who's he quoting but himself? Desire for pure solitude, or for a more pure fiction than the fiction we already cherish in common. I mean, in this monastery, I am not condemning the monastic life. Far from it. Perhaps I shall end up with a quasi-monastic community around me, but no set forms. June 16, 1959, Feast of St. Lutgard. Uh, the great problem of this crisis of mine is to keep from going from one fiction to another, from the communal fiction which we cherish as a group to the private fiction which I cherish as an individual. The more I let myself dwell with desire upon a, quote, solution, unquote. So, why doesn't he just say a solution instead of, quote, solution, unquote? <laughs> Desire upon a solution. I could Maybe I could accent solution. Desire upon a solution. The more I become involved in a new fiction of my own, I can tell immediately by the immense weariness that comes from entertaining falsity. Do you think it would wear you out to entertain falsity? Does it wear you down?
1: I don't know. It
0: does, clearly. (laughs) You almost like clockwork get up to make coffee. I guess we pause it here. Want me to pause? Mm -hmm. All right. Just in case this is falsity, I'm going to pause. How <laughs> to read the voluminous journals of um, Thomas Merton? There's so many and so long. It's sort of like Henry David Thoreau. There, be right. His career is writing, and so he keeps his journal. He's writing all the time. Huh. What better way to learn to write but to practice writing? Huh. Hmm. Are you a writer? Hmm. The truth is that almost everything I do to solve the problem becomes a kind of symbolic act that replaces something else, more real and more concrete than I do not, that I do not see how to do. Hence the ritual of writing letters to bishops and vicars apostolic. Such letters are already too many. You know, if I wanted to do something spiritual, I don't, I'm not going to write to the bishop. <laughs> yeah. Do you think we have to write to the bishop and say we want to become spiritual? Is there
1: any, any to <laughs> I could have...
0: write to the Pope and say, can you give me the absolute truth? It is impossible to say what I ought to do. The situation is so vague and everything is uncertain. Is there any hope? Of obtaining an indult. I don't know these words, dear. I-N-D-U-L-T. Alexa, what's the definition of the word indult? I-N-D-U-L-T.
1: Here's something I found on Wikipedia. An indult in Catholic canon law is a permission or privilege granted by the competent church authority. The Holy See or the diocesan bishop, as the case may be, for an exception from a particular norm of church law in an individual case. For example, members of the consecrated life seeking to be dispensed from their religious vows, or priests and deacons who voluntarily it's seek to return to knows. the lay state. Did that answer your question? Yes
0: thank-, yes, thank you. Is there any hope of obtaining a definition of indult from Alexa? <laughs> well, thanks for your feedback. <laughs> Is there any hope of obtaining an indult from Rome in the first place?
1: Some exception,
0: uh, you think I could get an indult not to join a monastery? To, to, need that. Why? He
1: is a monk already, so he has certain orders. Uh,
0: he probably promised
1: to.
0: <laughs> indult in the first place. It would be disastrous to stir up a great official fuss and then have nothing to come of it. We could create a huge fuss over the whole issue, and then nothing come of it.
1: <laughs> like this sexual harassment that I tried.
0: <laughs> Do you think that a lot of times people make great fusses over something and nothing comes of it?
1: <laughs> most, most of the time.
0: Most of the time, right?
1: It
0: he should just say, I'm the boss. I'm Thomas Merton. I'm a famous writer. And I'm smarter than you, and I'm the boss. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: that's what I do.
1: that.
0: I'm making all the money around here. He had all this this uh, royalty from his books going to the monastery. Mm. I would have just kicked that father out and said, "I'm the boss." <laughs> Come on, sweet, nice. Well, I'm a little aggressive because yeah. I have a history of working.
1: So, so he in uh-huh. a way he was paying for his uh, staying yeah. in uh,
0: They probably don't want him to go because they want the money.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he he could disagree with them in a way. He had the power of
0: uh... Well, yeah, I don't know all that, but I suspect that might be true. The more and more I realize that what I am really seeking is a spiritual and mystical action which may keep an exterior act, which may need an exterior act, So his mystical action may need an exterior act, a geographic change, to make it really complete. Do you think a person needs a geographic change for a mystic action? Hmm. But there is no hope that a legal act can solve a spiritual problem. You can't, like, have a lawyer solve a spiritual problem. It can only clear the way, perhaps, the more thought, the more silence, the more patience, go into this, the better, Hmm. Hmm. June 21, 1959, summer solstice, that's summer solstice, that's the beginning of summer, this vocation business is making me miserable, oh goodness, his vocation means his career business, but I thought it was clear what he was, a writer. This vocation business is making me miserable, lay awake all last night thinking about it. I try to keep off the futile and silly plane in which the advantages and disadvantages of each project go through my mind. In the end, the old thing becomes utterly absurd. think he's writing too many books. <laughs> or he's having this conflict over the monastery.
1: Yeah. The conflict keeps him going also, you know. Just go live by yourself. If you don't live in a conflicting situation, I guess... Why didn't he
0: just live with Henry David Thoreau and in Walden or something? Were they at
1: the same time?
0: No. (laughs) (laughs) They're not. The one project to which I pay least attention is the original one proposed by Dom Gregorio to go to Guernávaca and then see... Perhaps what is upsetting me is the fear of uncertainty. If the whole business is really serious, that is, if my desire to leave here were serious, the uncertainty wouldn't matter. But the fact is, I must face it. I have no really strong and positive motives for launching out into something completely new. I am just not sufficiently interested in starting something. More and more, I see the futility, the absurdity. Well, everybody has apprehensions, so... Hmm. More and more I see the futility, the absurdity of simply becoming a parish priest in some isolated place. That, of course, is not Tom Gregorio's idea, but the idea that struck me later. And I don't really want to live in Mexico as a hermit or otherwise. Wherever I go, as a hermit, I will be, at the mercy of everyone who writes, of course, and bothers me. Paradoxically, here I can arrange my time. The question arises, would it be saner and truer simply to be, quote, bothered by people with real problems than to go through a lot of community routines that take up your whole day in a monastery? I just don't know about the monastery. I guess if I was the head abbot and had an absolute dictator of the abbot and I forced people into meditation at 3 a.m. and and made them sit till 9 a.m. and I'd hit them with a stick if they moved even once. (laughs) But that one might be kind of (laughs) cruel. You do have to go to the bathroom and I like to have my green tea and stuff. <laughs> you have to be nice to people. <laughs>
1: what, what did he say?
0: Well, he's, he says, the question arises, would it be saner and truer simply to be bothered by people with real problems and go through a lot of community routines that take up your whole day in a monastery? It's either you have a lot of work routines and meditation and choir routines and and you have... Have to sing in the choir and you have to get up and meditate. And to pray? Then you have to sweep the place. <laughs> and we have group prayer. <laughs> yeah,
1: we have a whole program. Yeah. The well, supposed to be there the
0: monastic to lifestyle to is not necessarily. Suitable. But all
1: he probably likes to be alright. Yeah?
0: It can be conflictual, I suppose. I don't know. But we're experiencing the monastery through him instead of going there. That's why I'm on my trip to Gethsemane. This is this is my see. I wanted to go there, so in effect, I am going there in this book. So the purpose. Of my reading this book is to go to Gethsemane. If I am asked the question, what do I really want to do? It boils down to what I have done for the best afternoons of last week the long hours of quiet in the woods. See, I'm attracted to the quiet of the woods. So, technically, we could go into the woods and call that the monastery.
1: They feel like mm. it's a cathedral. Mm. I mean, those, imagine to those redwoods.
0: Uh, you could go into the park, uh, sit under a tree, there, and a, call the it a monastery. Of the <laughs> you could just say you're an ultra and extreme ascetic monk who has Every, absolutely nothing and sits under I mean, the tree. Yeah, a tree
1: alone mm. sometimes can take your uh, mm. uh, mind away. So amazing they are.
0: Yeah, the trees are very spiritual. Do you ever sit and meditate under a tree or just sit there? It's like, they must rain peaceful vibes or something. Trees generate a calming vibe or something. Freshness. I think the answer is a tree. The long hours of quiet in the woods, reading a lot, meditating a lot, walking up and down, in the pine needles and bare feet. That is so cool. You know pine needles smell Massage nice. Feet, eh?
1: feet with the pine. I used to
0: yeah. sleep in the woods on in the pine forest on the pine needles. Yeah,
1: when.
0: Back in back in our own farm, my dad's farm. by
1: the Pine. We had
0: a pine grove which was used for Christmas trees, and it had the floor of pine needles. You could put your tent on it, and it would be soft. Yeah. It's also clear because the area where there's pine needles is cleared of brush, sort of.
1: Yeah. In in my village, we (laughs) had the the Bold Mountain that we called uh, it. Very, very low elevation, had pines only. And we used to go there with uh, the students, uh, with high school, the professors, and it was so slippery. And pines smell, they have a smell,
0: right? Pine evergreens obviously Mm -hmm. have a smell. And also, there's pine pollen, which is supposed to be very good for you to breathe. Uh, it
1: has pollen. a beautiful smell, and it's like the aromatherapy.
0: So I guess we've resolved beautiful this whole conflict. Beautiful aromas open
1: up your breathing capacity because you <laughs> like to breathe deeper.
0: So I'm going camping in a pine in forest. In the
1: opposite, when the... The smells are not good, uh, like pollution and there is not uh, clean, and you try to breathe less and less, and that's not good.
0: So the solution is you go to the campground next to Gethsemane, you camp in the pine grove with your tent, then you can walk over and visit the library at Gethsemane. And then walk back to your camp, and you can go back to your camp, and you can be quiet in the woods, reading a little and meditating a lot, and walking. And that way, you won't get caught up into the community routines of the monastery. What if, what if I am working for? What if, what, what if, if what I am looking for is more of that? Why not just ask for more of that? It is the easiest solution, the request most likely to be granted, and the one that involves no problem for me or my superiors or for the order, no glory and no fuss either. On the other hand, is that honest? And is it an interior life? Or is it simply an escape from the routine of the community, the way a worker escapes from the factory on a weekend and goes swimming at Coney Island? <laughs> we could go straight to Coney Island and go swimming like you Nephew goes swimming.
1: Coney Island. Coney yes. Island. That's where they go?
0: Is that where they take their. Um, no, I don't. Uh, I thought it is where they do. Um,
1: the winter. Uh, what do they call sea. that? Uh, <clears throat> new Year's. They go in New Year's only.
0: Uh, by accepting the escape. Am I conceding, surrendering to the routine? It is a serious question. More serious still is the question whether I, I have by now been so destroyed by the routine that I can no longer do anything but accept it, although with suitable evasions. Boy, he's having a problem with the so routine. He's
1: afraid that he got into that uh,
0: Well, he's already been there quite a long time.
1: Mm-hmm. The addiction becomes, uh, the routine becomes an addiction, in a way. And he needs something new. He feels that he didn't reach what he wanted exactly. That's not the destiny, in a way. Well,
0: he's accomplished a lot, probably. The destination,
1: (laughs) in a way. June 28,
0: 1959, opened a new translation of Meister Eckhart. And immediately hit upon this, quote, Obedience has no cares. It lacks no blessings. Being obedient, if a man purifies himself, God will come to him in a course. For where he has no will of his own, then God will command for him what God would command for himself. When I do not choose for myself, God chooses for me. I am sure that it has been a temptation all along to think that by staying here, where I like to pray in the woods, I would be cuddling in self-love. Yes, I like it, but the important thing equals it is what God has chosen for me. Hence, I cannot really start off to go anywhere else unless it is clear that God wants it for me. So far, no such thing is clear. So that's
1: why he doesn't take a decision, it seems, because he... <laughs> Ah. That it's better to let things happen
0: I don't know quote a pure heart is one that is an unencumbered, unworried, uncommitted which does not want its own way about anything that, but which rather is submerged in the willing, loving will of God having denied self I cannot be loyal to that which is deepest and most genuine in my life if I am not first loyal to this principle <coughs> <laughs> he's so contemplative, God August 18, fifty nine What do I need? So he's got questions. What do I need? What do you need? Well, we figured out we needed food and shelter, and what was the basic hardcore necessities food, food and shelter and running water. Hot water, preferably. A toilet is pretty good to have. It's like a luxury if you've been in a third world country. So a flush toilet, hot water, maybe a Sour. gas gas stove.
1: Refrigerator. Refrigerator.
0: That's a luxury, dear. That's only for the rich. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You can do torsi and uh, cook... Uh, Fresh food every day. Um,
1: you just eat roots and fruits and, and uh, tree trunks. <laughs> the skin
0: of the tree trunks. In our log, log cabin, we can just burn so wood. <laughs> Some of those
1: are medicinal.
0: You need heat, I guess. and I don't know. All right, so what do I need? Hard question to answer. This morning I need nothing. Perhaps what I have now is what I need at other times leisure. Time to think. Time to look at the hills, at the horses in the distant pasture, and at their beautiful brown color. To call it golden would be too insulted. I need something beyond my capacity to know. If I call it solitude, I mistake it. Silence, a primitive life. He's saying he wants silence, a, a primitive life. Uh-huh. What I need, as far as I can interpret the desire in my heart, is to make a journey to a primitive place among primitive people, and there die. It is at the same time a going out and a return, a going to somewhere where I have never been or thought of going, a going in which I am led by God, a journey in which I go out of everything I now have. I feel that unless I do this, my spiritual life is at an end. God... He really wants to go somewhere. Well, at some point you should recognize the fact that you.
1: It seems he didn't find God yet. Eh?
0: You should recognize the fact that you have a need to go, move on, perhaps. Mm-hmm.
1: I think he didn't find what he wanted, like God, the experience of.
0: He didn't find.
1: It d- doesn't say that he did, does he? Otherwise, mm. why all that restlessness? <laughs> restlessness here and there.
0: Didn't we read the nine signs of the lover, which included restlessness? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Hmm. Yeah, but restlessness for one thing, not for change of place.
0: September 22nd, 1959. The one thing necessary is a true interior and spiritual life, true growth. On my own, in depth, in a new direction, whatever new direction God opens up for me. My job is to press forward, to grow interiorly, to pray, to break away from attachments, and to defy fears and to grow in faith, which has its own solitude, to seek an entirely new perspective and new dimension in my life, Uh, to open up new horizons at any cost, to desire this and let the Holy Spirit take care of the rest, but really to desire this and work for it. We have to stop because we don't have any time left, and I haven't finished
1: 1959, right. huh? What time? We don't have much to do,
0: we No, doing? I said the hour limit. Mm-hmm. I can't finish 1959,
1: yeah. huh? Really? Oh, uh, well,
0: okay. Well, that's just the way it is if you go with the flow. All right, so, All
1: right. How?
0: we're ending on September 22nd,
1: 1959. Journals, eh? not very big, a page, hardly a page. These
0: are entries by date, dear.
1: Yeah, I understand. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm. One day he only writes this, let's say, this much, half a page. uh, Two of them can go the same. What?
0: I said I was trying to do one year at a time, but their years are too big for... Okay, uh, but
1: what's the date on this?
0: we 1959 is the year.
1: Only, they don't have the date of the month. And yeah, they days?
0: have the exact day.
1: That's yeah. what I mean. How many he writes in a day?
0: Oh, he doesn't write every single day. He yeah. has the reading. Yeah,
1: mostly one a day then. Eh?
0: For example, what we read, dear, we read January 2nd. Then we read March 18th. And then wow. we it skips around. Then we read May 28th. Oh, wow. And then we read June 14th. And then we read June 16th. So that's two days later. Uh Then we read June 21. Uh Then we read August 18. Uh So then we read September 22nd. So that's it. Uh, It's clearly not every day, but this also is a a selected journals. He may have written every day. We're not reading the complete journals of Thomas Merton because then it would really be long. Hmm. Hmm. we're reading the best of the best uh, or the selected selections from the selected hmm. his life from his journals the intimate merton edited by Petra Carton Jonathan Muldelto ah